Hello again, this is Edwin Crozier. Thank you for joining us. Have you ever run across a difficult Bible passage, uncovering a hard Bible question that just threw you for a loop? We can certainly do that some of the time. I want to talk to you a little bit in this lesson about a hard Bible question that the Sadducees asked Jesus. Not so much to learn about their question and its answer, but simply to help us understand what we need to do when we come across hard Bible questions. My hope in this lesson is that you learn how to deal with those questions, but also learn how to maintain confidence in God and His Word even as you wrestle with hard Bible questions. Open your Bible and study along with us. When you've been studying the Bible, have you ever had or come across any just really tough Bible questions? I, I know I have, and just all kinds of different kinds of questions. There might be questions that come up about seeming Bible discrepancies, or might have a question of, of logic that I think calls into question something in the Scripture, or perhaps there's just something that I'm reading it and I know, I just don't get it. I don't understand what he's saying here. Or maybe there's a question of, uh, of how some passages fit together, or, or a question on where do I draw the line and maintain consistency on various practices and dealing with certain issues. Just There's all kinds of questions that can come up while we're studying the Bible. And what we learn is that even in Jesus' day, folks had questions. Folks came up to Jesus and asked Him questions all the time. Some of them were sincere, but some of them were designed to entrap Jesus. And one of those cases can be found in Luke chapter 20, beginning at verse 27. The Sadducees came to Jesus asking a question. And they really didn't care what His answer was. They were simply trying to trap Jesus. But I'd like for us to look at this passage in Luke chapter 20, verse 27 down through verse 40. Not so much to find out about their question and the answer that Jesus gave it, but rather just to look at the concept of hard Bible questions and some lessons that we need to learn about hard Bible questions. In Luke chapter 20, beginning at verse 27, the text reads, Now there came to him some of the Sadducees who say that there's no resurrection. And they questioned him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies having a wife and he's childless, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died childless, and the second and the third married her in the same way all seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died also. In the resurrection, therefore, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot even die anymore, because they are like angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, he's not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they did not have courage to question him any longer about anything. Let's examine this passage and learn a few things about tough Bible questions. Before we do that, though, would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are amazed that you have allowed us to come into your presence and worship and honor you, and we pray that you would accept what we offer here this evening as lowly and as humble as it is. And we pray that you would strengthen us in our ability to worship and honor and praise you. 
Father, we ask that You would be with us tonight as we study Your Word, that we recognize that we have numerous questions that we strive to answer from Your Word and questions that we struggle with and questions that people ask us. And we're not sure how to answer questions that we discover in the text and we don't know what to do with. We pray that You would strengthen us to have faith and to learn to trust You and to understand Your Word that will grow in knowledge and in wisdom and understanding. And Father, we're thankful for this Word that You have given us that challenges us to grow and to be Your children. Father, watch over us and guide us as our hearts study Your Word. And we pray that You would strengthen us to obey You in all that we learn and understand. Through Your Son's name we pray. Amen. The very first lesson that we learn from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 40, is that there really are just some really hard Bible questions. There are tough Bible questions that are hard to answer. The Sadducees, as it said, didn't believe in the resurrection. And they spent a great deal of their time arguing with the Pharisees about whether or not there was a resurrection. And in all their study, all that they could come up with, they had finally settled on this question as a means to demonstrate that there just possibly couldn't, there just can't possibly be a resurrection. Because if there was a resurrection, what would God do with this woman? Why, we can't answer it, so there must not be a resurrection. And this had stumped the Pharisees. They had not been able to answer this question. And the Sadducees now come to Jesus, and they're wanting to stump Him as well and ask a question that He just can't answer. And they were not prepared for the wisdom with which Jesus answered their question. But the reality is, what it demonstrates to us is that we're going to uncover some really difficult, hard questions. And we should not be surprised at that. We, we shouldn't be shocked to find out that there are questions about the Bible that we're going to struggle with and we're going to have difficulty with. And it's going to take time to study and answer those questions because here is even a difficult question. I have known people to leave the faith because they found in their Bible something that just posed terrible, difficult questions for them. I know of two brothers and their wives that I studied with who left the faith. Because as they started reading their Bibles, they started in Genesis 1, and they read all the way to Genesis 3, this far into the Bible. And they found a hard question. They said, you know, in Genesis 3, God said, if you eat from that tree, you're going to die. And they ate from that tree, and they didn't die. And that's certainly an intriguing question. Why would they make such a mistake as that, they asked. I believe that question is answered in Romans 5 and 6, that it wasn't talking about physical death, but a spiritual death. But the real issue here is they had uncovered a difficult question. It was hard for them. I'm frankly surprised that it took them all the way to Genesis 3 to find one. I think if they'd studied chapters 1 and 2 a little more deeply, they'd have found some tough questions there. But they got to Genesis 3 and they just thought, well, the Bible must not be true. Because if the Bible were true, surely we could get past the first three chapters without finding something that's very hard to understand. Surely they would exp- God would explain that to us just very clearly. And they left the faith. And that was the reason they gave for it. Well, there's just too many questions. I just, I just have so many questions. I don't understand why God would do it this way. Well, there are just some very hard question. Just this week, I've been studying one that I think is pretty hard. I've been looking at how long have the Israelites, how long were they actually in Egypt? And that's not as simple a question to answer as a lot of folks might believe it is. It's a difficult question. There are all kinds of difficult questions that we can come up with, just as these men did. I want you to remember what Peter said in Second Peter 
chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. He says, "...regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you." Second Peter 3.16 says, "...as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures to their own destruction." If here is an apostle that's going to say, I can look at Scripture and find things hard to understand, why would we be surprised that we might find things hard to understand, hard to get our minds around and grapple with and, and see how it fits together? We shouldn't be surprised at all. One of the things that we have to come to grips with is that God did not give us this book to spoon-feed us His will. He gave us this book to challenge us. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. God has given us the Scripture to help us grow in our thinking, to challenge us to maturity. And what that means is there is a lot of this that is just not easy. And there's going to be a lot of questions that we're going to be asking as we continue to study God's Word. There's a second thing that we learn as we go back to Luke chapter 20 and we see what happens with these Sadducees. I am intrigued as Jesus answered their question. He answered their question specifically there in verses 34 through 36. Remember, He said, "...the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot even die anymore because they're like angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. There's his answer. He says, oh, she's not going to be any of their husbands because in the resurrection there's no marriage. Now, my question is, where did Jesus get that answer? He didn't get it from the Old Testament because that's not in there. To my knowledge, there's not a single place in the Old Testament or the New Testament other than this passage that says there's no marriage in the resurrection. How did Jesus have that answer? Well, Jesus had that answer because Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus knows how the resurrection works. Jesus understands what happens with those who die and are resurrected. But I can tell you why the Pharisees could never answer this question. Because the Scriptures never answered that question. And one of the things that we've got to learn from that, as, as hard as this is for us to deal with, one of the things that we have to learn is we're going to find some questions that we can't answer. There are questions that we come up with that we just don't know the answers because God has not revealed all the answers to every question that might ever possibly come up. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29. Moses wrote, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of the law. What Moses points out is that certainly God has revealed things, but there are some things that God just hasn't revealed. And so there are some questions that no matter how hard we ask, no matter how hard we study, no matter how much we want to know the answers, we're going to read and read and read and study and study and study, and we're never going to be able to answer them. Because God has kept some things secret. 
One thing that folks struggle with often is they'll ask a question, say, in a Bible class. And the, the person teaching the class will say, well, that's a good question. You know, there's three possibilities. And he'll go through and say, here's, here's the possibilities there. And here's the one I think is probably accurate, but this could be accurate too. And then they'll go through and, and folks will get all upset about it and wonder, how on earth can that be? Because, you know, I've heard preachers say, Edwin, you have said that the Bible can only mean one thing. Yet then we ask this question and you say it could possibly mean three things or four things or two things. How does that work? Well, the reality is there are just some things in Scripture that that we don't know exactly how it works, but we can understand some possibilities. Let me give you an example. Have you ever studied the genealogies of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3? Have you ever looked at how different those are? They're very different. You want to talk about a hard question, start trying to figure out how the genealogies that are found in Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 3 go together. Because they're different. Well, one of the things that we need to remember is that when Matthew was written and when Luke was written, the folks who were reading them could actually go to Jesus' physical brothers and ask them, what's up with this? And James and Jude could tell them, oh, here's what's happening. Or they could go at that time to the genealogical records at the temple and investigate, and they can find out exactly what's going there. But, but James and Jude aren't here today. And those genealogical records were lost when the temple was destroyed. And so, if we want to find out the exact answer, we just can't. But we're certain there must be an answer, because the folks who read this when it was first written accepted it. They obviously knew how it worked. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can take a look at Scripture and realize that there are some options that would reconcile those two things. One possibility some folks suggest is that one genealogy is the legal genealogy. One genealogy is the biological genealogy. Some folks would suggest that one is the actual genealogy through a leveretic marriage. Leveretic marriage is actually what this Sadducee's question was about. If a brother died, Deuteronomy 25 and verse 5, if a brother died childless and the brother was supposed to take his wife and raise up seed to his name. And you can imagine what that would do to genealogies if that was taking place. There are some that would suggest that the possibility is one is Joseph's genealogy and the other one is Mary's genealogy. So we recognize that there are some possibilities. And we can say, well, here are three or four possibilities. We just don't know which one is right. We're certain that there is an answer. We're certain that one of them is right. We're certain that if we had James or Jude or the other brothers there, if we could go to the genealogical records, we could find an answer. But as it is now, we don't know which one is the right answer. And we won't ever know. Because God just didn't choose to reveal to us why those two genealogies are different. He just chose to reveal to us that Jesus is the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam. And we just have to accept that. We recognize there are possibilities that reconcile it so we know there's not a contradiction there. We just don't know which one's right. And we won't. And there are a lot of questions that we might ask. And in the end, we have to say, I just don't know. Because God has kept some things secret. I think one of the best statements I heard, somebody was telling me what our sister Sue says about it. The Holy Spirit doesn't gossip. He only tells us what we need to know. And if we can't find the answer in Scripture, then God obviously thought we didn't need to know that. And so we just need to... Let it go. Now, let me assure you, I'm not saying that every hard question is unanswerable. If you look in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, very interesting passage there. 
It says, so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. I believe what this verse is saying is that when we pay attention to Scriptures as a lamp shining in a, in a dark place, that the star will arise in our heart, will be enlightened in our hearts. Why? Because we kept studying. There's a lot of questions that we'll ask that seem unanswerable, and as we keep studying, we finally get it. It's like the dawn arising in our hearts or the morning star rising in our hearts. The light comes on and we finally get it. So there are a lot of hard questions that we're going to ask if we just keep studying. And I have to tell you, it, it, it's really bothersome when you find folks who are always bringing up questions and they're always saying, well, what about this and what about that? But they're not ever spending any time in the Scripture trying to find if there are any answers. And so if you have hard questions, get into the Scripture and study them. Because that's the only place you're going to find the answers. We recognize that God has kept some things secret. What has He revealed to us? He's revealed to us what we need to know. Remember 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul said this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be perfect, knowing everything. Is that what yours says? That's not what it says. So the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. God has revealed to us everything we know so that we can be equipped for every good work. If you look back in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, he says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the Master, prepared for every good work. God has given us everything we need to know so that we can be useful to Him in serving and glorifying and honoring Him. And some other things, he's just, He just hadn't told us. And, and basically, the one point I wanted to get across here is that you have a question that you've been dealing with for years and years and years and you, you just haven't seen an answer. Don't be surprised. Because there just are questions like that. God hasn't revealed everything to us. But there's a third thing that I think we need to recognize that happened here in Luke chapter 20. Jesus didn't just stop with answering their question. Jesus recognized that really this question didn't have anything to do with marriage and the resurrection. This question was actually trying to discount the resurrection in totality. And so he comes back and puts that question to rest and points out that, look, there is a resurrection. And notice what he says in verse 37, "...but that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob." Now, he's not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. He went back to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6 and quoted the Scripture. In fact, in the parallel passage to Luke, in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29, Jesus points out to the Sadducees, you know what your problem is? Your problem is not that you don't know the answer to this question about marriage. Your problem is you don't know the Scriptures. He said, you do err, in Matthew 22, 29, not knowing the Scriptures or the power of God. And so he said, go back to the Scriptures. And I'll tell you the third thing that we learn here is that even when we have questions, even when we have hard questions, even if we found questions that we're not able to answer, that doesn't change the meaning of Scripture. And you, you, you see what Jesus did? He went back to Exodus 3.6. He said, look, guys, Moses wrote there, I am, this is how he quotes God, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Now, we know this is common sense. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. What that means is, even though Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were physically dead at the time of Moses, 
they must have continued to exist. There is a resurrection. There is life after this. And there it is in Scripture. And you can come up, Sadducees, with all the very hard questions you want. It's not going to change what that passage in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6 demonstrates. And so that's one of the things that we've got to understand. We're going to have hard questions. We're going to have some questions we're not able to answer. But that's not going to change what we can find in Scripture. Go back to Deuteronomy 29 and 29. Do you remember what it said there? In Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29, "...the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law." That applied under the old law. It's the same principle under the new. God hasn't answered all our questions, but the questions He's answered, we better obey. God hasn't revealed everything that we might be curious about, but the things that God has revealed, we better follow. And all the questions that we might come up with, the difficult, hard questions that we might ask, are not going to change what the Scripture clearly says. I remember studying with a denominational pastor. Uh, It was me and one of the elders there in Texas. It was Wesley. Um, We've got some friends here from Beaumont tonight. We were studying with this fellow and talked about baptism, whether or not it was essential for salvation. And we looked at a few passages, and finally this, this person said, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember his exact words, but it basically went something like this. He said, Edwin, I have been studying this longer than you've been alive. Which he probably had. I think I was 25 at the time, and he was 50. So, I've been studying this longer than you've been alive. And I have uncovered questions about baptism that would make your head spin, that you could never possibly answer. And so you can't convince me that baptism is essential for salvation. At the time, my response, of course, being a cocky 25-year-old, I knew I had the answers to all questions at that point. I said, well, try me. And he refused. But I think if I had that same exact scenario happen again, my response would be, let's go to Luke chapter 20, beginning at verse 27. Because the reality is that you may have studied things that I haven't studied. And you you may well have uncovered questions that I could never possibly answer. But there is no question out there that is going to change the fact that Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized for the remission of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Spirit. There's not a question out there that can be asked that's going to suddenly make Mark 16.16 say something other than, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. There is not a question out there that is suddenly going to make 1 Peter 3.21 no longer say, Baptism doth also now save us. Now, there's some hard questions, and I don't know all the answers to all the questions, but I know what God has revealed about baptism. And what He said is, if you want to be saved, get baptized for the remission of your sins. And there's no amount of difficult questions that are going to change what those verses say. It just doesn't happen. And we need to recognize that. We're going to have hard questions. If you study the Bible at all, you're going to uncover hard questions. In fact, if you're sitting here tonight saying, I don't know what Edwin's talking about. I haven't ever, I have nothing hard about the Bible at all. Well, then you just haven't been studying enough. Because there are just some hard things. And we're even going to find questions that we can't answer. 
But that's not going to change what God clearly revealed. And so while we continue to study these questions, we need to continue to do exactly what we know that it says. I think it was Mark Twain that one time said, talking about all the parts of the Bible that he didn't understand. And you probably heard the quote. Mark Twain said, you know, it's not the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I can understand. And I'll tell you what we cannot do. We cannot allow the parts that we cannot understand or do not understand to dissuade us from obeying the parts that we do understand. Because those parts don't change just because we don't understand some other verse. As we wrap this up, look in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is a very interesting passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, the preacher there wrote, He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. If I understand this verse accurately, what the preacher said was is that God has made us curious people. He has set eternity in our hearts. We want to understand the working of God from the beginning to the end. And that, that's a good thing. That challenges us. That pushes us on to maturity. And so it's not wrong to be curious. It's not wrong to have questions and want to understand more. But what he also points out is that while God has set that curiosity in our heart, he said he's made it so that we won't know the work of God from the beginning to the end. And I'll tell you what that means is we're just not going to know everything. But even having said that, you know what this preacher's conclusion was at the end of the book? The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. We're going to be curious. We're going to have questions, and that's awesome. But even with all those questions, we need to just obey what God has said. If you've come across hard questions, I hope the things we learned in this lesson have helped you and increased your confidence and your faith in God and His Word. Let's remember the three things we learned from this instance in which the Sadducees gave a hard question to Jesus. The first thing we learned is there really are some tough questions. The second thing we learned is there might even be some questions that we are never able to answer. But the third thing we learned is Despite all the hard questions we might come up with, there's no hard question out there that changes what God's Word clearly teaches. Let's maintain our faith in God's Word. Let's continue to study and grow and learn how to answer some of those hard questions. But let's continue to trust God and do things His way as He revealed in His Word. If you have any questions about the Bible, about how to study the Bible, about what we teach from the Bible, about the Franklin Church, please give us a call at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. 
If someone gave you this lesson, let me invite you to go to that website. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous other lessons that you may download there, both in audio and outline format. Use those in whatever way you see fit to glorify our Lord in heaven and to help strengthen his family and to draw folks closer to him. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him, but more importantly, may you richly bless God.